Well, Happy New Year to everyone that I haven't uh, seen in this new year. This is the first Sunday of the new year, so if you are here this morning, you have perfect attendance for 2019. We'll see how long that goes. Um, turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 4 as we continue our series, Journey with Jesus. Today I've entitled the sermon, Growth in God's Kingdom. Um, while you're turning there, uh, last week we talked about the parable of the soils and we said that the parable of the soils is really uh, the foundation of learning all the other parables. If we don't understand that foundational parable, then the other ones aren't going to make sense either. And so it's really a foundational parable. Um, is the PowerPoint not working? Okay. Well, we're off to a good start at the beginning of the year. We had uh, earlier, I was trying to print off the sermon notes and the toner was empty and it's been one of those, those days. Um, but that's okay. We talked about four soil conditions last week or four heart conditions. We talked about the path soil, which is the hard heart, which can't receive the seed because the ground is petrified. We talked about the rocky soil, which is a shallow heart. There's no depth for the seed to take root in our lives. We talked about the thorny soil, which is the preoccupied heart that is so wrapped up with the things of the world and today and amassing wealth and material possessions that it really chokes out the word of God in our lives. And then we finally talked about the good soil, which is the receptive heart, which receives the seed and has the nutrients in it to grow. And, you know, as we evaluate that in our lives, um, hopefully we're getting all that junk out of our lives and having good soil to receive God's word into our life. And the reason it is important is because the seed is the word of God. And he tells us that it is important for us to bear spiritual fruit. We have to have the word of God in our lives. And here's what we said last week, that fruitfulness is contingent on my relationship to gospel-centered living. In other words, if the seed of the word of God is in my heart and it is growing, I will produce fruit. God will produce fruit in my life. He will produce fruit in your life. And he's coming into these other parables and he's introducing, as he has, the kingdom of God. If we look in Mark chapter 4, verse 11, look what it says in chapter 4, verse 11. The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. So now he's ushering in this whole idea of a new kingdom, a kingdom that is different than the kingdom they have ever experienced before. If you go back to Mark chapter 1, in verse 15... Jesus says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. If we jump down in our text today and we look down in verse 26 of Mark 4, this is what the kingdom of God is like. If you jump down to verse 30, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? So Jesus is focusing on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God will grow as the seed of the word of God is planted in people's hearts. And when it's planted in our hearts, we will bear spiritual fruit in our lives, and God will make that fruit possible. 
So there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of Satan. God is invading Satan's territory as he sends Jesus to set up his kingdom. And God is establishing his kingdom through the person of Christ. Christ comes to share his good news, the gospel, so that people might know he's the Savior, the promised Messiah that the prophets have prophesied for centuries. And Satan is not happy about this kingdom, nor is he happy about Christ's coming. So what does Satan do? Does he just throw back his hands and say, well, we'll just let the kingdom of God flourish? No. Satan is attempting to destroy the kingdom of God. And if he cannot destroy the kingdom of God, then he will disrupt the kingdom of God. Now remember, the kingdom of God was ushered in before God ushered in the church. At this point, in the Gospels, in the line of the gospel story, there's no church yet. So Jesus is ushering in the kingdom of God to show us there's a new way, there's a new ruler who's going to rule. We can see his active opposition to God's work in Mark 4.15 when we looked last week. He said, some people are like seeds sown along the path when the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, who comes? Satan comes and takes away the word. Satan is actively involved to disrupt and destroy the kingdom of God. He is actively involved to disrupt and destroy our lives. He wants to snatch the word of God out of our lives so that we live recklessly, we live loosely, we live dishonorably to the Lord. So we have an enemy who is trying to oppose the kingdom of God. We have to keep that in mind as we live out our lives and we think about it. Careful hearing, listen to this carefully, careful hearing results in fruitfulness through gospel-centered living. Look back in chapter 4, verse 9. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because Jesus is going to capitalize that on this passage as well. When he looks down in verse 23 and he says, If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then verse 24 Consider carefully what you hear. So Jesus is saying there's a connection between the seed of the word of God being sown in our hearts and what we hear. But here's the thing. The hearing that Jesus is talking about is not just hearing audibly. He's saying you're hearing in the sense that you are doing what you are hearing. That's why he says consider carefully. Because some people can come into church week after week, month after month, year after year, hear message after message, sermon after sermon, and walk out unmoved and unchanged, and that is not hearing at all. Not the kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about. He's talking about hearing that puts us into action. Don't be just hearers of the word, but what? Doers of the word. That's what he's called us to do to be doers of the word. So listen to this carefully. Careful hearing results in fruitfulness because we are doing the gospel. We are living out the gospel through gospel-centered living. And this careful hearing, which produces gospel-centered living, will manifest itself in four realities. The passage we're going to look at this morning, there's four realities to this gospel-centered living, which produces fruitfulness in our lives. The first reality is this, being an ambassador of God's kingdom. Look in verse 21. He says to them, 
Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. He's again saying about talking in parables. He conceals it from those who don't want to hear it, but those who do, we're going to hear it. Those who have this desire to hear are going to hear it. But being an ambassador of God's kingdom, because you and I are to be sharing the light of the gospel. That's why he says, do you bring in a lamp and put it under a bowl or a bed? Don't you put it on its stand? In first century, they had these little oil lamps, and they were little clay pots almost, and they had a little lamp stand where they could put it up or a hook where they could hang it on the wall so it would give light to all the room. So as ambassadors for Christ, how are we shining our light? How are we going to shine our light in 2019? An ambassador has an identity. His identity is Christ. An ambassador of God's kingdom is not overly concerned with what other people think. An ambassador has an eth- code of ethics he lives by. He does not practice loose living. He's concerned about not just the reputation of God's kingdom. He's concerned about the reputation of the ruler over God's kingdom. That he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. So here's the thing. What is our identity in God's kingdom? We are sons and daughters of the king of this kingdom. We are sons and daughters of this king who rules this kingdom. So walk like it, talk like it, dress like it, and live like it. That's what he's telling us. If we are going to shine the light and the lamp of the gospel, we have to walk the gospel, we have to talk the gospel, we have to dress the gospel, we have to live the gospel. So how does an ambassador in God's kingdom walk? He walks in truth. He walks in humility. He walks in obedience, and he walks in love. All of those characteristics should be a part of our walk with the Lord. How does an ambassador in God's kingdom talk? His speech is pure. He cuts out corrupt language out of his speech. Why? Because he is a son or daughter of the king. How does a son or daughter of the king talk? He talks like the king talks. How does the king talk? His speech is pure. Unfortunately, in our day, many young people have a different idea of what is good language and bad language. And it's unfortunate because there are many Christians who think profanity is okay today. And that is not kingdom talk. That is not kingdom language. The Bible says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. That includes, by the way, young people... Instagram and Snapchat. Go back through and look and see what kind of communication are you doing on those things. What kind of pictures do you send across the internet to your friends that disappear after they open them up? Is that kingdom living? That's important. What kind of pictures does an ambassador for Christ post to his friends? How does an ambassador in God's kingdom dress? 
modestly, not to cause another person to stumble. His dress matches his motives, and his motives are to promote the gospel. Or her dress matches her motives, and her motives are to promote the gospel. I'm not going to answer all these, but here's some you can talk with with your kids when you get home. How does an ambassador in God's kingdom behave in school? How does a kingdom person behave in school? How does an ambassador in God's kingdom work? How does he get along with his co-workers? How does an ambassador in God's kingdom treat other ambassadors in the kingdom? You know, to me, it's a sad commentary on the church when you have people in the same church or even a different church and they don't speak to one another. And they're supposedly in the same kingdom and in the same family, but they don't speak to one another. They don't interact. There's hard feelings between them and they don't sit down and talk about it. They just stuff it. They avoid the person. That's not kingdom living. That is not shining the light of the gospel. It hinders the gospel. That's putting the gospel under a bowl or under the bed. And God doesn't want that. Satan wants that, however. And Satan is getting a victory when you and I stuff that and we separate ourselves in relationships instead of dealing with the issues in the relationship. So the light of the gospel can shine. What kind of party does an ambassador in God's kingdom attend? I'm not answering these. I want you to answer them. What kind of friends does an ambassador in God's kingdom have? See, an ambassador is sent on a mission. He's not just warming a pew on Sunday morning. He's looking for opportunities to share the good news. Reminds me of a story of a little girl. She got home from Sunday school where she had been taught the verse, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. She asked her mother when she repeated the verse what it meant. Her mom said, well, it means when you are good and kind and thoughtful and obedient, you are letting Christ's light shine in your life before all who know you. Very next Sunday, in Sunday school, the little girl got into a bit of a fracas with another student and created somewhat of an uproar to an extent the Sunday school teacher had to call the mother in to the class to get her settled down. Her mother was concerned when she got to the classroom and she said, Sweetie, don't you remember about letting your light shine for the Lord before men? The girl blurted out, Mom, I have blowed myself out. I think there's a lot of people that are blowing themselves out. With our behavior, we can blow out the light that God wants us to shine. Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. How do we do that? We do that by keeping eternity and the kingdom of God in our heart, the seed of the word of God in our heart. I like how Jonathan Edwards said it. Jonathan Edwards, he said this, Lord, stamp eternity on my eyeballs. (laughs) I like that. Stamp eternity on my eyeballs. 
So the reality is, if we are living fruitful lives, gospel-centered living, then we're going to be an ambassador for the kingdom of God. What kind of ambassador are we going to be? Oh, we've got it there. Great. Thank you. Great place to start. The second reality that we want to look at, if it's going to move forward. Oh, I turned it off. There we go. I'll go back. Being good stewards of God's resources. A steward is a manager. We manage the resources God has given to us. And the greatest resource we have to manage is what? Truth. The word of God. Look down in verse 24 again. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. He says, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken from him. He's saying that if, if, if you open your heart to the parables and the teachings of Jesus, and you have a desire to learn more, just like the disciples did earlier, and Jesus took them aside and explained more fully what the parables represented, if you and I have that teachable heart, he's going to give us more truth. He's going to give us more revelation. As long as when we hear it, we are putting it into practice. And to be a good steward of the resources of the truth that God puts in our lives, we carry it out so it makes a difference in not only our lives, but the lives of those living around us. This verse also offers a promise and a warning in regard to understanding these parables. Whoever is able to gain some understanding and desires more will get more. That's the promise. When we understand some of the truth containing these parables, God will give us more understanding. We not only accept Christ's words, we accept Christ. We recognize we are stewards of God's resources, and we use these resources to grow God's kingdom. We are building God's kingdom, not our kingdom. We are striving to magnify God, not ourselves. Those who show no interest in learning about the truth in these parables and the kingdom of God will be removed even further than they were before they ever heard the parables. That's the judgment. For us to hear and close our ears to the truth, then God is going to close the truth to our lives. He reminds us in Luke 6.38, well, maybe I didn't put that up there. Give, and it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, here's the reality of being a good steward of what God has given to us. When we take in the truth of God in our lives, our perspective in life is greatly altered. Greatly altered. There have been times I've gotten upset in my life and maybe angry or frustrated about something. But when I take the time to refocus my life back on the truth and back on God's word, it changes my perspective. And it will change yours as well. It is greatly altered when we listen to the word of God. 
even in how we work, the resources that God has given us, our jobs, our incomes, and all that is altered. Here's how Martin Luther said, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship, putting the truth to work. Christians should be good workers. They should be diligent. They should be good employees. Why? Because we want to be good stewards of the resources God has given us. Our time, our talent, our treasure all belongs to him. It all belongs to the Lord. So being good stewards of God's resources should be a second reality in our lives. Do we faithfully give to build the kingdom of God or not? That's a question only you can answer. The third reality that we want to look at is being confident of God's word. The reason you and I will be a light and give out the gospel and the truth is because I'm confident that this message will change people's lives. When people come in and they have issues in their life, I don't sit down and talk to them about Dr. Seuss or somebody else. <laughs> I, t I open God's word and I share with them, here's what God's word says, and some people don't want to hear it. But the ones that do and the ones that respond, God is able to do a great work in their lives. But only through the seed of the word of God as it's planted in their hearts and they open their hearts to it, God can change their life radically. My wife and Shar have recently been going into the jail to minister to ladies in the jail. Well, guess what they talk about in jail? The Word of God. Because it's the only thing that will change people's lives. When people come in with addictions and they come in to celebrate recovery and they come in with hurts, habits, and hang-ups, what do we point them to? The Word of God. It's the only thing that will change them and deliver them. And that's why it's called good news. For a person whose life is in chaos, it's good news that they can experience peace. For a person who is living in bondage, it's good news that they can live in freedom. For a person who is living without hope, it is great good news that we can give them hope. Isn't that true? Amen? Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. Confident in God's word, the disciples needed to be reminded that though many people will reject the seed of God's word, there will be a harvest at the end of time. And that's what he says. If we look down in verse 26, he said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. Now, farmers don't get any ideas. <laughs> Because, you know, you just can't sleep and expect the seed to grow. There's a few things you have to do. But here it's talking about the supernatural seed of the word of God that you and I really can't do anything except put it out. We scatter it. And whether we sleep or get up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head, as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. He's saying when you and I spread the seed of the word of God, when we as ambassadors for Christ, and we are good stewards of the resources that God has given us, and we scatter the seed of the word of God, there will be people come to Christ. 
There will be people. We may not even see it in our lifetime, but there will be people come to Christ. That's why we have confidence in the Word of God to change people's lives. Whether it's a teenager who's struggling with their identity, and I can take them to Scripture and say, well, let me tell you who you can be in Christ. You don't have to wrap your identity up in your appearance. Your appearance is who God made you to be. God made you exactly the way he wanted you to be. You look exactly like God wanted you to look. You have the level of intelligence exactly that God wanted you to have. You have the athletic ability exactly the way God wanted you to have it. I mean, that's, that's the reality. So I am confident be encouraged. He's telling the disciples, be encouraged that some people will respond and their response is not dependent on your skill or your ability in giving out the seed. Just give it out. See, so many times you say, well, I'm not trained in evangelism. I, I don't know where to go. Um, talk to the person. Find out what, is, what, is, what are they struggling with in their life and what does the seed speak to them in that particular area of their life? There's something they're struggling with, and what is it that you can help them with? The seed is there. All we have to do is give it out. The seed will work if people allow it to work in their lives. It's not my responsibility or your responsibility to grow the seed. God does that. God does that. Here's what he said in Matthew 9.37. He said to his disciples, the harvest is what? plentiful but the labors are few that's kind of a sad commentary isn't it he's saying there's so much fruit out there but there's not enough people to gather it up and then he says therefore pray earnestly to the lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest i don't know of any church that has a surplus of workers you know that there's 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 less work and more workers right? I don't see that anywhere. There's always more work, more harvest than there are laborers. And God is saying, pray that people will get involved in the ministry. Get involved in the kingdom of God. Be the ambassador of the kingdom of God that he wants you to be. Use your resources in the kingdom of God. Let's go to the fourth reality. The fourth reality for those of us who are fruitful hearers of God's word, who are gospel-centered living, being convinced that God's kingdom will expand. I am confident in God's word, but I'm also convinced that God's kingdom is going to grow. Look down in the next parable, the parable of the mustard seed. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word of, to them as much as they could understand or as much as they could hear. Remember, careful hearing understanding and putting it into practice. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his disciples, he explained 
everything. The fourth reality, being convinced that God's kingdom will expand. He uses another agrarian illustration. I have in my office, there was probably no sense in bringing it in here, I have a little bottle, it's about like that big, it is full of mustard seeds. They are tiny, tiny seeds. And he's saying that one tiny seed is going to grow into a huge plant. Now, why, what is he trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us that the kingdom of God has started off very small. How small was the kingdom of God when it started? One person. Who was that? Well, we just sang about it and talked about it a couple of weeks ago at Christmas. It was the baby in the manger was the first seed of the kingdom of God in the person of Christ. One person. Jesus grows up. He gets baptized. He starts his full-time ministry. And what does he tell us? We go back to Mark chapter 1, verse 15. He says, he's, in verse 14, he's proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God, he calls 12 disciples after that. He calls these 12 disciples. He begins to teach them parables and teach them truth. Now the kingdom of God is expanding. Then there's the 120 in the upper room. And then he ushers in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit comes and the church is born in Acts chapter 2. And the Spirit comes and Peter gets up at Pentecost and preaches. And how many people are converted? 3,000 people are converted. The kingdom is growing. <laughs> it's expanding. He's saying from that one tiny seed, and look what it has done since the beginning of the kingdom. It has spread from nation to nation, continent to continent. It has spread around the world in every language and culture and people. The kingdom of God is growing. And here's the beautiful part. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, I tell you, you are Peter, Jesus says, and on this rock I will build my church. Do you think Jesus was convinced about the kingdom of God expanding? I will build my church, and here's the beautiful part, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now here's what I want you to think about for a moment. Gates are not offensive. They're defensive. Gates are designed to keep something out. Satan is trying to keep the kingdom of God out. He's trying to keep the church out. And he says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. It's no defense against the church. Why? Because we have the word of God, and it is greater than the powers of evil. Amen? It is greater than the powers of evil. And so you and I are ambassadors of this kingdom, and we have the opportunity to take the seed of the word of God, and it will, the church will prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's a wonderful thing. 
as kingdom people. Here's what the prophet says in Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. In other words, the word that is going out of our mouth, just like it did the prophets, is going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. That takes all the pressure off of us. I, I have no responsibility to change people's lives, neither do you, because you can't. We can't, but the word of God can. And that is the one thing we must give out as ambassadors for Christ to give out the gospel. So here's my question for 2019. Who are you intentionally on your prayer list? You are praying for them. They are lost. Maybe they have a hard heart. Maybe they have a shallow heart. Maybe they have a preoccupied heart. But you are actively praying for them and seeking. And maybe you're going to get together with coffee over lunch in some way, shape, or form. And you are going to set up a time to share the seed of the word of God. We need to be ambassadors for Christ. Don't sit back. Ambassadors don't sit back. They go. They are called. They are sent. They go. They go into the world. We don't expect people just to come in here. We go to them. We take it to them. We share with them. And we do it out of a heart of love. The love of Christ constrains us to do it. It constrains us. It compels us. Our hearts are broken over this sinfulness and the kingdom of Satan who wants to blind them and destroy them and disrupt their lives. And no doubt we have disruption in our lives. This past year we've had disruption in our own family. Why? Because the kingdom of Satan wants to disrupt the kingdom of God. And we have to be diligent in the word of God to let people know the truth because people will know the truth and the truth will set them free and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church I find great encouragement in that let's bow together for a word of prayer as you bow your heads and close your eyes let me ask you about shining that lamp. How's your lamp? Is it lit? Is it under a bowl or under the bed? Or is it out in the open? Are you being an ambassador of God's kingdom? Does your walk, your talk, your dress, your be behavior live like you are an ambassador in God's kingdom? Or does your living put the light under a bowl? How about your kingdom walk? Do you walk in truth, humility, obedience, love? Is your speech, your kingdom talk, is it pure? There's no corrupt language, your speech is truthful. It's loving, it's God-honoring, even in your Snapchats and Instagrams. What about our kingdom dress? Do we dress in a way that honors the Lord, that I'm a son or daughter of the king?
Does it match my motives? Are my motives to promote the gospel? Am I treating people in the kingdom of God as another ambassador in the kingdom? Or do I have issues that I need to go to another ambassador in the kingdom and straighten some things out so that the light of the gospel is seen? You see, Satan is actively involved He's trying to snatch the word of God out of our lives. If you're a dad, a father, a husband, Satan is going to work very hard to snatch the word of God out of your life because you are leading your family. If you're a leader in Bethesda Church, He's going to work hard at snatching the word of God out of our lives. If you are a faithful follower of Jesus, he's going to work hard at snatching the word of God out of your life. And he can do that through many, many ways. I think one that he uses primarily in many of our lives is busyness. I don't have time to take in the word of God. And so it's snatched out because it doesn't even get there. I'm busy. I got things to do. I have a schedule. I have many things to do. What about your priorities? The beginning of 2019 is a good time to reevaluate our priorities. To see if I'm going to be the ambassador that God can use and is pleased with. And being a good steward of God's resources. Managing the resources that God has given to me. Managing the truth that he is putting into my life is a challenge. And being confident in God's word. Do you have enough confidence that you can share the word of God with someone because you know it is the truth? And you know it can speak to the deepest need of the human heart. Are you that confident? And are you convinced that God's kingdom is going to expand? You see, it it impacts how we live when we really believe this. It impacts what we do with our time. What we do with our resources. If you don't have a personal relationship with God, you can't be an ambassador in his kingdom yet. But the good news is he's made provision for you to become an ambassador, his children, his child. You just have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. You violated God's law and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. Shed his blood that you could be forgiven and cleansed. And that seed of truth in your life will change your life from the inside out. You'll become a son or daughter of God. And then you don't start living according to a list of rules. You live according to relationship. Because now I have a relationship with this king of this kingdom. God is the king 
I love this king. I want to please this king. That's my motivation, not keeping a list of rules. Relationship. If we can help you in your spiritual walk, if we can pray with you or share with you, if you have questions, we would love to share with you how you can be his child. Let's pray together. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.